What's going on, guys? Welcome to Hostile Q&A number seven, I think. Could be eight. I'm not sure. But anyways, welcome to the Hostile Q&A. I'm here to answer your questions. I'm here to kind of cover all the bases that I can. And like we do in all of our Q&As, I'm going to set my watch or my phone to an hour. And we're going to do an hour worth of questions. Uh, there's only 48 questions. Not that there's only, but there's 48 questions. I think I can get through a lot of those in an hour, so we're going to do our best. So I'm not going to bullshit you guys or waste any time. Let's just get to the questions and get started. But one thing before we start, I just want to say thank you guys for the awesome launch. It's been incredible. The orders keep rolling in, and I know it's still pre-order, which is insane because a lot of you haven't tried the product yet, but I'm sure you're going to love it. But I just want to say thank you for making the launch a successful one for us. And uh, we're here to stay. We're here to make a big impact in the market. And we're also here to listen to you guys. So uh, please send me directly your feedback. I am on the Hostile Subs Instagram sometimes, but I'm always on my own Instagram, obviously. So if you guys want to talk to me, shoot me a message directly. Uh, if, you, if you send the Hostile Subs Instagram a message, uh, it's not always me answering you. So uh, if you want to talk to me directly or if you had feedback for me directly that... I need to answer them. Just send me a, a message personally on my Instagram and I, I do my best to uh, try and get back to everybody. But without anything else, the thank yous are done and I, my appreciation to you guys is, is great. Let's get to your questions and that's going to be my way of saying uh, thank you is answering all your questions. So let's get started. And let me just start the clock. Start. Okay. The first question is from Arkeuvenhoven94 says, will you be doing a multivitamin or greens product? If not either of those, can you recommend one? Um, I actually am in the process of putting together a all-in-one health supplement. It's not really a greens product. It's more of a multivitamin, multimineral, but a select multivitamin or select vitamins and select minerals that I want to have uh, in that. So, it's going to be an all-in-one health supplement that you can take every day. I'm just not sure if we're going to do powder or pill form yet. I've had so much feedback because I asked this question before if people wanted a pill or a powder. The powder might be hard to flavor, but if we can flavor it, people, some people say they want a powder so they can mix it with their essential aminos. Other people say a pill is easier. You just take the pill and, and kind of move on with your life. So uh, I'm not sure, but we are looking into that. UV Gruwal says... What do you recommend diet-wise since all the gyms are closed? I just came out of a 12-week cut and I'm in my rebound phase. I don't want to get fat since my body is sensitive to fat storage. Well, I suggest if you don't want to get fat, keep your carbs a little bit lower. You don't need a ton of carbs if you're not going to be working out like an animal. So I would do a moderate to low-carb diet for now. But the other thing is you can still be active. Some people have cardio equipment at home. So if you have like a bike or a treadmill or something like that, you can get on there and and do your work. I just did my treadmill work uh, this morning. I have a treadmill at home, luckily. If, uh, if you don't, you can walk outside. Go outside, go for a walk, throw on a hoodie, throw on a sweater, whatever. Um, it's a little bit better weather right now. It's not snowing anymore, so you can probably get out and go for a walk for half an hour. If you do, I will pretty much guarantee you this. If you don't eat poorly and you keep your carbs in a moderate to low level and you stick to your diet and you do half an hour cardio every morning, you should be fine. And if you really want to be safe, 
you can go for a walk in the morning, go for a walk at night uh, before bed kind of thing. You should be totally fine. You're not just going to get fat for no reason. If you get fat, it's going to be because you started eating poorly. You started eating more than you should be. Uh, you started adding cheat meals. If your maintenance calories for the day are 3,000 or 2,500, just make sure you're eating that number. You're not going to get fat for no reason. Your appearance might get softer if this thing drags on for a long time. Like You might get, you know, if you're just sitting around, you're not weight training, you're not doing any home movements, you're not doing anything. You can do stuff at home too, you know, like, uh, you know, for chest, you can do push-ups or you can do wall sits for legs. Or if you have resistance bands, you can do a lot of different things with the res resistance bands. So you can you can do stuff at home if you want to get a half an hour of a quick, like if I was here, if I'm home and I don't have anywhere to go to train, I'm going to use most likely resistance bands because I have them because I've always used resistance bands. And with resistance bands, I can do anything. I can do, I can wrap them around my back and do chest. I can step on them with my feet and do rows. I can step on them with my feet and go overhead for a shoulder press. I can do curls. I can do tricep extensions. There's, nothing you can't really do if you have if you don't have some bands so what i suggest is if you don't have any bands go on amazon type in elite fts resistance bands because they're the most the qual most quality ones they're not going to snap on you um and just and do a resistance band workout i might be putting out something anyway that you guys can download on the, on the hostile.com website um i'm still working on it but Resistance bands are the best way to go and you can buy them on Amazon pretty cheap. They'll deliver them to your house in a couple of days and you can start working out and then you can do your cardio outside and your body won't really know the difference. Now, if you don't want to do any of that, just keep your calories low under maintenance level or at maintenance level and your body will burn it off naturally. That's what your maintenance level is all about. But your appearance might get softer from sitting around for two or three weeks. Motivation 10134 says a lot of meat, chicken breast and steak and rice is out of stock in my local area due to virus scare. Any suggestions for alternatives that won't be out of stock? Uh, protein powder. Like I said, Amazon, there's a lot of good protein powders out there. Uh, John Meadows has a really good blend. Actually, if you look at blended protein powders, it might be better for you since you're looking to actually replace food with them. Um, John Meadows has a good protein powder. Uh, Evan Senapani has a really good one with animal meal. Uh, it's called animal meal from animal or universal nutrition. Um, I'm not, you know, it's, it's, that would be my go-to. You know, you can do that two times a day. Uh, I would do some eggs. You can do eggs for two other meals. Um, if you can find ground beef, I would do ground beef. There's, if you can find cans of tuna, there's tuna. I mean, there's a whole host of things you can do. You don't have to just eat chicken breast and steak. You can get dark meat chicken if you, if you have it. Like, I don't know what your grocery store has, but there's a host of different proteins that you can get that you could fill in the blanks with. Now, if you end up getting ground beef or if you end up getting dark meat chicken, obviously there's a fat content there. So you're going to want to reduce the calories from carbs or fats in other areas. So you don't just add all these extra calories, but there are ways to get your protein. Um, you know, like I said, all those other sources, you know, even pork, you know, you can get tenderloins or whatever. Like there's, there's a lot of different ways you can get uh, your protein. Don't just, don't just look for chicken and steak only. If they're, they're sold out, they're sold out. There's not much you can do about it. You have to kind of find a way to work around it. But I think, 
Protein powder is a really good way. If you have to do three shakes a day, you're still better than not eating. Uh, Jay-Z Bodybuilding says, when it comes to your own career, how did food choices change from the earliest days before competing up until peak? Well, I never really body, did a bodybuilding diet until I started competing. For me, it was really, really strange. I, I just did like circuit training and cardio uh, because I was fat as a teenager and I wanted to lose some weight. And when I hit 20, I decided I wanted to be a bodybuilder. Actually, I decided I wanted to do a show. And I started everything all at once. I started eating right. I started training right. I started everything, all my supplementation, everything. I started all at the same time right at 20 years old. But I did make a lot of mistakes. The first two or three years of my off seasons, my, in my career, of my bodybuilding career, in the off season, I would eat horrible sources of carbs. Like I would eat Chef Boyardee and I would eat pizza pockets and I would eat like a lot of craft dinner. I know a little bit of craft dinner is okay for a cheat refeed kind of thing, but like I was eating a lot of craft dinner and I was a lot of, I got really fat. Like my second off season, I got up to 286 pounds. And now we talk about 286 pounds and it's nothing because I've gained a lot of muscle. Back then, my lean body mass was 200 pounds, but I was 286 pounds in off season. I lost 82 pounds uh, for my first nationals. Uh, and it was, I think it was my second or th my third off season. I, I gained 80 pounds. And I'm sure I lost some muscle in that, in that 80 pounds, but yeah, I made horrible, horrible mistakes because back in those days, I thought a, a gram of protein is a gram of protein and a gram of carbs is a gram of carbs. And it doesn't matter where you get it from. It doesn't matter what the source is. It doesn't matter. And this is what I've tried to explain pe to people on a, on a very broad scale. Nothing is equal, right? Like this pre-workout's not equal to this pre-workout just because they're both pre-workouts doesn't mean the same. This steak is not equal to this steak. This, this, this one might've came from this farm. This one might be grass fed. Uh, this can of tuna is, you know, might be uh, shitty. This one is albacore. Like there is, everything has a scale of good and bad. And I just didn't know when I started, I used to just, this protein powder is just protein powder. It's all equal. Even though it might've been like way from concentrate might've been garbage. I just didn't know better. I didn't know to get way isolate. I didn't like a pure way isolate. I didn't know to get, uh, um, chicken breast instead of frozen hungry man dinners that had a chicken breast in them. Like I, I just didn't know the difference. And I luckily, made it through okay. But looking back, I would have made a lot of changes because now I know the difference. Now I, I want to get, if I want to get beef and I have the money, I, I want to get grass fed beef. And if I want to get chicken, I want to get chicken breast. I don't want to get, I don't want to get ground chicken. That's like 30% protein. And the rest of it is, I don't know what 30% of it is meat protein. The rest of it's like, you know, gizzards and whatever else. So now I know the difference between foods and supplements and vitamins and minerals, and they're not all equal. And that's the toughest thing for you guys as consumers is you have to look around and, and this is kind of what I try to do with the Q and A's is educate everybody on, on what foods to buy, what supplements to buy, what, you know, what training principles work or, you know, and this is my experience only, but um, the education part of it is the hardest part. Uh, Canadian warrior says, what is on your home gym essential list in light of the cir circumstances of most gyms shutting down in the country? I kind of answered that already resistance bands. 
Guys, I'm telling you, all you need is resistance bands. If you go to, if you don't want to go to Amazon, go to Elite FTS. I don't know if they're still shipping right now. But if you go to Elite FTS, they have like uh, bundles of bands. Like you can get the really, really light one all the way up to the really, really heavy one. If you bought a bundle, you could literally do everything. You can squat, you can deadlift, you can shoulder press, you can um, bench press. You can do all of it with bands, just knowing kind of where to hook them up. And I'll probably do some videos on my channel or maybe on the Hostile YouTube channel. Uh, to show you guys kind of what exercises you can do to hit target different body parts. Uh, but ba resistance bands, and if you're lucky enough to have a cardio piece of cardio equipment in your house, then those are my essentials. Um, otherwise, you're just going to go for a walk outside. And if you don't have resistance bands, you're going to start to pick things up. Just pick things up. I mean, I think John Meadows did a YouTube video where he's like got a couple buckets full of different things just to weigh them down and he's doing different exercises with them. Like you got to get creative, right? It's the only way. I mean, some of us might just take the time off. Honestly, for some of us, if you're training really, really, really hard, a couple weeks off, just doing some light cardio, walking outside kind of thing might be a nice break for your body. When you get back, you might be nice and fresh and ready to go. So don't think of it as necessarily the horrible thing. Taking a week off to let your body recover and do some stretching and do some, maybe some yoga or, or whatever it is you would like some therapeutic things you can do at home. Um, this is, could be a real benefit to a lot of people so that when they do get back, they feel fresh. There's not sore. There's their injuries are down and they can kind of get back to work. So it's not necessarily a horrible thing to have to take a couple weeks off. JJ Schelling says, what do you think will happen with the 2020 season? Do you think all the shows will be canceled? Honestly, my guess is as good as anybody else's. I hope not. I hope, you know, there are, I've heard some cases in, in, I think, Thailand or Singapore where they're starting to come out of this thing and starting to figure out how, like, some people can get healthy again. So, honestly, my, like I said, my guess is as good as anybody else's. I hope the shows don't get canceled. I have my own shows I promote. Uh, there's one on May 16th, I believe, and one in July. I hope I don't have to cancel those. I really like doing them. I really like putting them on. As of right now, they're not canceled. And uh, hopefully this thing will pass, you know, relatively quickly. Pat Seguin-Morin says, what do you do if you're 19 days out from an amateur show and it's canceled? Honestly, I feel really bad for you guys. It's not what you can do. If you, there's two things I think that will happen. Some people have the discipline and the drive and the desire to wait so they'll stay on their diets and just give themselves a refeed once every, you know, four or five, six days, whatever. Um, other people are going to be really disappointed and pissed off and they're going to go off their diets and just try and get ready for a different show, which honestly, I get really angry about these kind of things. If it was me, I have trouble dieting when it's like an, uh, an undetermined amount of time that I have to, I have to like, it's, it's not even like they're saying to you, look, if you just wait two weeks, everything's going to be okay and we'll open up all the shows again. They're saying we don't know. So my personal, like person, like my personality, I would have trouble. I would have trouble sticking to a diet and staying hungry and staying focused. If I had nothing, if I didn't know where I was going to be stepping on stage, I would probably back off a little bit, stay on a relatively 
clean diet. You know, I would try not to gain too much weight in case this thing like clears up in the next month or two. And then I would get back to work like hardcore hundred percent. So that's probably what I would do. I would probably back off a bit. I'm not going to get sloppy fat, but I'll put on 10 or 20 pounds and then maybe 10 pounds and then try and stay there comfortably where I can have something to eat, you know, every three or four days. And uh, then it, when they flip the switch and they're like, everything's a go again, then I can flip the switch and get back to work. That's probably what I would do if I was in your situation and I was that close to a show that got canceled. Um, Kevin, Kevin to Shiro says, how would you split up your home workouts and would you train at home knowing your overall volume would be less? Uh, I kind of answered this. Yes, I would. Uh, I kind of answered the home workout thing, guys. If just, you know, I'm not going to, there's no need to go over it again and again. Matt Gerard says, worst meal, least favorite meal you ever had to consistently eat and force feed yourself to grow. To force feed myself to grow. Well, I'm assuming if you're saying force feed myself to grow, that's the off season. I used to hate oatmeal. I used to eat two cups of dry oatmeal and it was a bowl like this big and it used to make me gag by the time I was done. Cause especially cause I didn't have a, I didn't have a, a real appetite in the morning. So I would find it really hard to get down, but I would kind of force it. Uh, if you're talking about dieting, I usually get so hungry that I'm okay dieting, but um, fish was always a bitch, but I would force myself to eat it. Cause my coaches would tell me, look, we can do a different food if you want, but this is going to help you more. And I always felt like it did help more. So fish always sucked. Uh, but in the off season, oatmeal, just eating mass amounts of oatmeal all the time really, really got to me. And for a while I was eating 12 ounces of meat per meal, which I, I felt like helped, but it was a little bit overkill. But I was doing like 12 ounces. Of, like if you ever try and eat 12 ounces of cooked chicken, like for three or four meals in a day, it gets really nasty. Okay. so. I, I've, I've been sick of everything at some point or the only thing I haven't been sick of is I had a coach that had me eating uh, rice pasta all the time. I would do like huge bowls of rice pasta and I could mix just ground beef with it all day long or chicken or anything. So those are my favorite meals, but anything else really ended up getting to me. It's getting to me at some point. Grizzly Jim rat says being carb cycling based off of one of your videos, but according to stats, I'm gaining body fat but I would have said I looked flatter in the gut. Why do you think that is? I don't know why that is, but what I can tell you is the carb cycling alone is not going to make you lose fat because it's still a matter of calories in, calories out, right? Carb cycling is a way to help you not get too fat if you're bulking, and it's a way to help you burn more fat if you're in a, in a deficit. That's how I see it. If you're eating a surplus of calories, you're still going to get fat. Like, not fat, but you're still going to get fluffy. Like you're not going to get shredded just because you're carb cycling. If I like, for example, let's say, let's say your caloric intake for the day is 3000 calories and you decide you're going to carb cycle. So let's avoid the macros for a minute. Let's say you're carb cycling calories for each day. The high day is 36. The medium day is 3,600. The medium day is 3,400 and the low day is 3,200. That's your carb cycling calories, right? You're still, even on your low day, 200 calories above your maintenance, which is 3,000. 3, so you're in a surplus on your high day, your medium day, and your low day. 
all the time. So you're still going to get fluffy. Now, if you want to walk the line a little bit, if your maintenance calories are 3000, I would make my high day 3300, my medium day 3000, and my low day 2700. That way you're really walking the line and you might actually be able to lose some weight in the process, possibly. Um, if you're trying to just lose weight, then I would make all of them, you know, I would make my high day 3000 and then I would do, you know, 2800 and 2600 as my medium and low. So just because you're carb cycling, I don't want, maybe I didn't explain that properly in the video, just because you're carb cycling doesn't mean you're going to lose weight. Your overall caloric intake still has to be in a surplus if you're trying to gain or in a deficit if you're trying to lose. And if you're trying to walk the line, you can kind of put the calories around that maintenance number. T. Carroll says, how soon after a contest would you go into a bulk the day after? I don't waste time with reverse dieting. And, you know, there's a million different theories. And I'm not saying my way is the only way. But my way when I was trying to get big was, okay, the show's over. It's time to get back to work. Now, it doesn't mean show's over, binge your face off, even though that's what I did. And I don't advise other people doing it. But it does mean set up a diet. Once the show is done, start that diet. And if you start gaining fat, it's okay. You're going to grow into that weight. You're going to, if you, if you did a show and you were 200 pounds and you get on your bulking diet and your body jumps to 240 or 250, just stay there. Just stay at 250, stay at 250 all year. Just keep your body weight at 250 and watch you. If you're trained hard, you will get leaner at 250 over the course of a year because you're growing into your weight. That's what that means. So I, I don't waste time you know, oh, I need three months to reverse diet up to, you know, if you dieted on 2000 calories, you know, the last week you're at 2000 calories, I don't believe in, well, I better go to 2200 and then 2400 and then 2600. And then you've wasted two months trying to get back to 4000 calories. I don't believe in that. I'm like, okay, the show's over. I'm going back to 4000 calories. It's time to grow. So that's just my philosophy on it. Um, Ishan says, what do you think of SARMs? I think they're garbage. I think they don't do anything. And I think they're bullshit. And I don't know if that, I don't know. Did I tell you how I feel about them? I think that kind of clears it up. I, I just think it's crap. I think, I think anytime somebody's trying to sell you something that's too good to be true, it's more than likely too good to be true. And that's how I feel about them. D tiny Stark says rap to me about your pre-work <laughs> rap to me about your pre-workout. I've been supplementing with one brand or another for six years now training pretty much six days a week. So I guess I'm saying I probably need something close to powdered weapons grade plutonium to get me going. All right. What I can tell you is this, the pre-workout is awesome. Okay. And I'm not saying that because I'm trying to sell you product. I'm telling you because I literally put the most effective dose I could in, in each ingredient. Okay. When people say clinical, a lot of companies will say clinical doses, right? A lot of companies will advertise this, this, here's this, there's, there's clinical doses, right? That doesn't mean the whole supplement facts panel is going to be clinical doses. They may have one clinical dose. They may have two clinical doses. It doesn't mean every ingredient is clinically dosed or effectively dosed. Okay. 
uh, a company just put out a pre-workout. A company just put out a pre-workout and it said clinical doses. That the company writing about them said clinical doses, but it's not because they have a beta alanine in there that's at 1.6 grams. 1.6 grams is not the clinical dose. It's not the dose that studies were done at. The studies for beta alanine were done at 3.2 grams, not half, not 1.6. Okay, so it's your job to look around and say, it's, and it's hard. I mean, it's our job to help you, help you guys, but what you have to do is know if you're getting the effective dose of each ingredient that, of the supplement you're buying. Okay. So our product, our, our, both our pre-workouts, bloodshot and hostility, both have every single ingredient on the panel was dosed at the effective dose that we could find studies for. It wasn't dosed under that. It wasn't dosed less. Those are the studied doses that we found that made for effective doses. Okay. So that's the first thing. Now the negative for you is you sound like you really want something that's going to be heavy, heavy stim to wake you up. We don't have that. Okay. Hostility is a, is an all in one complete pre-workout with everything. But I don't believe that taking stims over 350 milligrams is beneficial to pump. I believe it's actually documented. It's not just my belief, but over 350 milligrams is a vasoconstricting issue. So it starts to actually reduce your pump. So if your stims are too high, you may feel crazy in the gym, but your body's not actually reaching its full potential as far as pump goes. So we put it at 300 grams or 300 milligrams. So if you're looking for a super, super high stim, it might not be the one for you, but we have the 300 milligrams of caffeine, but we also have a lot of nootropics. So the 600 milligrams of alpha GPC and the 10 milligrams of hyperzine A plus the teacrine is also an energy booster. All of these things are going to really wake your ass up. Now, it's a different kind of energy though than a hard stim product. When you look at a hard stim product, you get this, right? You take it and all of a sudden you're wired, right? And then you get a crash. And that's what you get with most companies that have five, 600 milligrams of stims because they may have 350 or 400 milligrams of caffeine, but then they have other various stims in there. So you look at like five, 600 milligrams now. So all of a sudden you're boom, you're wide awake and then boom, you crash and you're tired. Our energy is a little different because of the nootropics. This is what you kind of feel. You get to the gym, you're feeling pretty good. And you get to this point and you kind of hover there and you just stay there and you stay there and you stay there and it levels off very slowly at the end. So it's not a hard peak stim. It's more of a sustained energy where you feel like you can just keep training, keep training, keep training, which is what I wanted. I don't want to feel like a hard cracked out feeling. I want to feel like I can just be in the gym and train six body parts if I want to. And that's kind of the feeling I get from it. So it has a pros and cons right? It has its pros and cons. For people who want a really heavy stim, we're actually working on something that will uh, be just a stim product. And you can, you might get a little bit of pump from it, but it's more stim based. You can mix it with the bloodshot and I'm going to work on something like that. It'll be, it'll be a little bit cheaper because it's cheaper to make a stim pre-workout. Let's be honest. It'll be a little bit cheaper for everybody and they can take it on its own if they just want to use it for energy or they can mix it with bloodshot if they want to add a crazy pump, or for those of you who don't want to buy two different products, you can just buy hostility and it's kind of an all in one. So, um, that's kind of the rundown. 
So, you know, you have to decide if that works for you and then you can get on the site and buy uh, the one that's right for you. And, and hopefully you'll like it and you send us your feedback and let us know. Test Pony says, hi, Haas. I'm loving your videos on meal prep and budget shopping for key ingredients. I'm new to this bodybuilding game. However, I value your motivation, dedication to bodybuilding and the body and your body and willingness to share your information. Thank you very much. The question, once you begin training, pro, once you begin a training program, how do you manage hunger with training energy needs? If you want to still drop a few pounds, it's only eight more pounds I want to lose. Sorry if it's a dumb question. It's not a dumb question. It's actually a very good question because everybody wants to know how they get rid of hunger, but I'm going to tell you the honest truth. There is no way to get rid of hunger. It sucks. And sometimes you just got to be hungry to lose the last eight pounds. Now, when you say the last eight pounds, I'm going to imagine what, I, what, what I'm thinking of when I think of the last eight pounds. The last eight pounds are the hardest eight pounds to lose. Okay, If you're, if you're 40% body fat, right? Like if I weigh 350 pounds and my lean body mass is 200 pounds, that means I have you know, 150 pounds of fat, water, whatever, on my body. Okay, When I start a diet, that weight's going to drop. This is going to drop 100, 350 pounds, going to be 325, going to be 300, going to be 280. But the closer I get to 200, the harder that's going to get. You get to 240, 220. But you, now when you get to 240, from 240 to 220, you're dying. You're like, this 20 pounds is impossible. I just dropped 100 pounds. How come I'm stuck with the last, with this 20 pounds? And then you finally get it off. And now you're, now you're at 220 and you got to get to 200, right? That last 20 pounds you're going to starve. Okay. It's, you're going to, your body is trying to resist what you're doing. Okay. If you're, some people are born genetically blessed in the body fat department. Okay. Some people, and I, and I know them, I compete with them uh, or I know, or, or they're in a different division, but I know these guys, they're just kind of naturally always lean. Okay. Like if you look at Flex Lewis, I have literally never, ever, ever seen Flex Lewis fat. Not like even puffy. The guy is always in shape. And it's not because he's like the perfect eater. I, I mean, he's a very disciplined bodybuilder, but it's just he partially has great genetics for staying shredded. And that's why when he actually does diet, he gets uber shredded when he's on stage, right? He has that really grainy, shredded look. And I believe that's because he has a genetic. His genetics are kind of made for that, right? But then you have other people who they can diet and diet and diet and diet and diet and nothing happens. It's just, it takes them, it takes them more effort than possibly imaginable to lose fat. So depending on what person, kind of person you are, that late last eight pounds, and I'm assuming you're not one of the easy, you know, one of the guys who has it genetically because you're talking about how hard it is. There's no real way to get rid of that hunger. Okay. When I when I get down that last 10 pounds I want to lose before a show, the only thing I can tell you is to keep yourself busy. Because you're eating every two hours. And if you eat and then you're like, okay, I'm hungry, I'm starving, what do I do? You gotta keep yourself busy. You know, I, I do sometimes I'll do a lot of Mio, uh Mio or sugar-free Kool-Aid or Crystal Light. Uh I found a, a kind of a cool hack with uh carbonated water. If you get like a carbonated water and you squirt Mio or Crystal Light or something in there and you drink it, it kind of bloats you, 
not that you want to be bloated, but it kind of fill your stomach a little bit. You feel a little bit satiated for a minute, but nothing really, when you're trying to get down that last eight pounds, even when you eat, you're still hungry. I remember, I remember eating a meal many, many, many times, not just once. I'd be eating a meal and while I'm eating the meal, I'm thinking I'm going to be so hungry when this is done that I'm not even, I'm not even enjoying the meal because I know it's not doing anything and I'm going to be finished in a minute. I only have two bites left and I'm still starving and that happens all the time. But sometimes, you know, you got to push your body past the limit where it wants to be in our bodies. Sometimes if you're not, like I said, if you're not genetically blessed to be shredded, your body is trying to keep you in that comfortable place where, you know, you have some body fat on you and you're trying to tell it no, that takes a lot of effort. So, um, yeah, there isn't really a secret way to not be hungry. It's just part of the game, especially when you're trying to get to that, you know, single digit body fat levels, like low single digits. There's a lot of hunger involved in that. Dan Elgi 232 says, as someone who's been through injuries at the gym, what's the one thing that gets you back into the grind and overcome those thoughts and feelings that hold you back? I know for you, there's a financial incentive that's key, but for those that don't have cash incentives, what do you think? Um, it's not the cash. <laughs> it's not the cash that keeps me coming back, man. There. I haven't competed since 2017. So I don't know if I need to work out. I do it because I love it. I don't need to work out to make money. So let's kind of push that aside right away. Because listen, nothing, I never ever did this for money. It was the, the reverse. Like when I found bodybuilding and I started doing it, I was like, I want to do this for the rest of my life. How can I get paid to do this? So I can just keep doing it. So money wasn't the reason I did it. I just wanted to make money at it so I could keep doing it, if that makes sense. So anyway, let's wipe that aside. How do I get back after injury? Very slowly. So it takes discipline to hurt yourself and then come back to the gym because the pain, the initial pain might be gone, especially if like, so let's talk about the different types of tears. If you have a, a first degree tear, which would be like my tricep, I tore it off the bone, like the elbow, like my elbow uh, actually broke off and the, the tendon tore away. That had to be sur surgically reattached. So that is a long, arduous process of rehabilitation and taking time to get back and learning to just train, right? For those of you who had that, I trained this side of my body the whole way through because there are studies that show that that will help retain more of the muscle in the side that you can't train and it's um, also going to help the recovery because you're moving blood around and it's going to help recover this muscle faster. Whether it did or not, I don't know. I did lose a lot of size in this arm anyway, and it's still been a long recovery, but that's partially due to my shoulder. Uh, this caused some shoulder issues. Anyway, so that's a first degree tear. It takes a long time. You got to kind of keep training the body parts you can train. And then when it, you can finally train it, you got to train it very, very lightly and take time to get back. Uh, second degree tear, this is a disciplinary one because you can pop something and it may not be fully torn and the pain might be gone the next week by the time you get back to the gym. And if you don't take it easy, you will fully tear it. 
So that's one where you have to just come back slowly. It usually takes four to six weeks to heal. So what I do is I'll get back to the gym at a at like warm up weight, like with my chest, for example. Let's say I tweak my chest. The next week when I come back, I might actually take a week off, right? So I take a full week off. So it's been two weeks now since since the tweak, and then I'm going to do warm up weight only, and it's just to get the rhythm of the movement back and kind of get the fibers in line. Then the next week I'll start adding a quarter. The next week I'll start at a plate. So by the time I'm six weeks in, I'm back to about 70% of my lifting weight. That's kind of how you do it. Now, mentally, if you're talking about how do I get back into it, I just want to do it. I don't want to stop. Like just because I had an injury, it doesn't mean I'm dead. So I don't want to just be like, oh, I had an injury. I better quit forever. That's not going to happen. I'm, I'm probably going to work out till I die. And it's not because of the money and it's not because I want to look good. It's because it feels great. I like the way it feels. I like what it, what it provides me. I like the satisfaction I get from the struggle of it. Uh, there's so much self-growth and, and self-mastery in bodybuilding that I will never stop because it's constantly teaching me. And I think that's the real benefit of bodybuilding that people don't realize until they've done it for a decade or more. And then they start to realize, wow, you know, I learned a lot about myself this is a pretty incredible lifestyle that I never want to leave. Okay. So why do I get back after injury? It's because I don't want to leave. Uh, I, I don't, nothing's going to put me down and nothing's going to keep me away from the lifestyle that I love. It just means I have to change a little bit. So when you say, you know, how do you get back? Cause you're, you were talking about uh, the thoughts in your head. That's the hard part. Okay. So, the first dozen times I injured myself, and when I say dozen, it sounds like a lot. Only three injuries have been serious, like, you know, detached injuries, like injuries that caused a deformity in the muscle. The rest of them are all small. When I say dozens, I say small tweaks, like, okay, because over the course of 20 years, just little things pop here and there. So the first half a dozen or a dozen times I had injuries, I would bounce right back. I'm fine. I wouldn't even think about it. When it was time to start benching again or time to start uh, deadlifting again or barbell rowing again, I would just do it. But once I went through the th four or five weeks of healing, I didn't have any anything in my head slowing me down from lifting the way I want to lift. As the injury started to pile up and I got like, okay, this is happening again and again and again and again. Now my training is significantly different because now I'm, I'm, I'm training for longevity. I don't want to have to quit. I don't want my body to fall apart. I want to try and maintain what I have or make it look better. So I've changed my training to different styles over the course of the last year or since my tricep tear. I've changed my, my training to higher reps, maybe lower weight, maybe more squeezing, some intensity techniques, maybe um, less failure sets a whole host of different things to try and extend the longevity, but also because you do start to have a hesitation after so many injuries. Like when I get under three plates on a bench press, I'm like, okay, is my shoulder going to hold up? Is my, so then you wonder, is it worth getting under three plates on a leg press on a, on a, on a bench press? Maybe, I should get under two plates and just do really, really slow negatives or add some resistance bands or something like that. 
So those are some of the ways that you change your training when your mind starts to mess with you because you've been injured more than your share, right? So it's hard. There's no, there's no great answer as to how to overcome a tear because sometimes it happened for no reason. I don't think my form is bad. I don't think my nutrition is bad. Uh, you know, I just certain things happen and it, maybe it's the way you train. Maybe it's the way your body, maybe it's your genetics, but you just kind of have to keep, keep going and, and find a way to adjust your training so that your body can stay healthy and you can keep going. Yari513 says, I hate my front double arms, more football shape than peaked. Any tips to improve for the stage? Uh, just make them bigger. So I think what he's saying, for those of you who don't understand, he's saying in a front double bicep, when he puts his arm up like this, the bicep itself doesn't peak high. It is longer like a football. And all I can say is genetics. Okay, Ronnie Coleman's peak in his biceps, that's genetic. When you see that bump, and especially they're split in the middle like that, that's hard training, but it's also genetic. He has a short bicep, right? If you have a long bicep, if you have a short bicep, it's going to peak, like a higher peak. If you have a long bicep like mine, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take more of an arc, okay? I'll give you a really, really good example, okay? You can have great arms and have that shape, but you have to build them. Kevin Lavroni was that guy. Kevin Lavroni, if you look at Kevin Lavroni's front double bicep, amazing front double bicep, but his biceps had that arcing look, not peaking, right? But he grew them so much that his arms just had that really thick, dense look. So I think um, that's kind of what I'm talking about is, is you have to just grow the grow what you have. You're born with a genetic structure. You're born with an insertion point, and you can't change that insertion point. You can change the look of your arms by making them bigger, but you can't change the shape of them because that's just genetics. Mr. Vegas Seven says, "How Fuad? Hey Fuad, how's the new diet going? I'm doing well. Just want to see if anything has changed as far as the carbs." protein, et cetera. So a lot of you were following my vlogs that I was doing and I was posting up my, my, my diet. Uh, and I posted a second one with some of the changes I made. I'm going to be posting a third one shortly. Uh, but the third one is going to be drastically different because John Meadows has taken over my training and my nutrition. And the reason for that is because I, I would like to compete one more time and I need somebody who's going to be able to, to bring my body in the best possible way. And although uh, I know what I'm doing. It's kind of hard to, to, I know this is silly, sounds silly to some of you, but it's harder to coach yourself than it is to coach somebody else because of the way your mind plays games with you. So when you get really low in calories or when you're looking in a mirror, you're looking at a photo, you might not look at it objectively when you're looking at yourself. So having a coach is always very beneficial. So I work with John Meadows and um, John's taking over the diet. So I'll be posting my new diet that he created. Um, it's a little different. It's a little different, but it's going to help me. It's going to help me look better, I think. So I'll post that soon. Marco, you know, says how much is too much meat? Can it be eaten every day, multiple times a day? Yes. Uh, there is no such thing as too much meat in my opinion. Not if you want to be a, a open class bodybuilder, if you want to put on an optimal amount of muscle, because you know, I don't think you need too much meat. 
and I don't, and you definitely have to eat it every day and you def ha definitely have to eat it several times a day. Okay. Uh, I was doing up, like I said, I was doing up to, I've done six ounces of meat cooked in a meal and I've done 12 ounces of meat cooked in a meal. And I grew more when I did 12 ounces. I got stronger. I'm not saying you have to do it that way. It's just what worked for me. But uh, I've also grown doing six ounces. So there, when you say, is there, is, there, is there too much that you can eat? That's based on your body. If you're only allowed to have 3,000 calories a day, then you have a, a limit where you're going to limit your protein. You know, 50% of your calories might come from protein, but that's about all you need. Then, then even that might be too much for some people. So, uh, but yeah, you can eat it every day and you have to eat it multiple times a day, especially if you want to be a bodybuilder or even if you don't want to be a bodybuilder, even if you just want to grow a, a lot of muscle or optimally, you want to grow the muscle optimally, it's going to take uh, multiple eating meat multiple times a day, unless you're a vegan. I don't want to get into this argument with vegans. I'm just, I'm just, uh, telling this person that he's asking about meat, uh, because he already eats it. So that's a little different argument. Nick 618 says for us that can't get to the gym for the next two weeks, how would you train at home? I've already answered that. Uh, home gym power builder. Who are your favorite up and coming bodybuilders? Any names that people should keep an eye on? that don't get as much in as, as much attention as you think they should. I don't really follow the amateur level as much. Uh, so I don't, I don't really know who's not getting attention. Um, I'm trying to think, I don't, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head. That's not getting the attention they deserve. I feel like now with social media, you make your own attention. If somebody's not getting attention, it's, I don't want to say this in a harsh way, but it's almost because they're not, they're not marketing themselves properly to get the attention they need at this day and age. It's not up to the magazines anymore. It's not up to the supplement companies. It's not up to anybody to get people to notice you this day and age. If you have a good physique and people don't notice you it's because you've done something wrong and you haven't marketed yourself. Between Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Snapchat, TikTok, all the different platforms, if you can't get your face out there and you have a nice physique, you're not doing it right. So, you know, I just think if, if there is anybody underrated, I can't think of them or, or not being given attention, I can't think of them. And if it is, if that person is there, it's because they are not doing a good job of getting people to notice their great physique. Nanu, Nanny Razulbagu, I think. Your thoughts on fasted weight training. I take EAAs pre-workout and prevent muscle loss. I have to train early because I work all day long. Is it beneficial to, beneficial to train without food early in the mornings? It depends what you're talking about. It's, it's, it's not a broad, you know, it's, you can't paint that answer with a paintbrush because it's like, it depends what your goals are. If you're asking me, you know, as somebody who wants to be a huge guy, who wants to put on a ton of muscle. No, I think you should eat. You get up half an hour earlier and eat a meal, even if it's a small meal. And uh, I don't think taking essential aminos alone before a workout is enough to say, okay, I fed my muscle. It might, might be it if you're doing cardio, but not if you're training. I feel like you need to eat something if you're training, even if it's just a shake you know, a shake and, uh, 
a shake and a banana or something like that, like it's better than nothing. If you're just trying to look good, if you're just trying to get in shape and lose body fat and uh, look the best you can look. Yeah. I think faster training is okay, especially, with, but definitely get the essential aminos in uh, or actually an intra workout would probably be better. If you look at our products, we have uh, the intra R3 has a little bit of carbs in it. Plus all your aminos for somebody who's doing like a fasted training or early in the morning, who doesn't want to, who can't eat or something like that. That's probably the best product for you. Um, but like I said, if you're trying to put on a mass amount of muscle, a small meal plus an intra workout, and you're good to go and then eat a whole food meal after you're done your, your training. Uh, hooded Mexican 97 says favorite mass building exercise for rear delts. There isn't really a mass building exercise for rear delts <laughs> except for training back. Like I guess if, if I had to pick a mass building exercise for rear delts, it would be overhand wide grip T-bar rows. So just a T-bar row with this, this wide grip like this, that's going to build your rear delts more than anything because you're going to be heaving a lot of weight. It's going to be a lot more than doing a rear delt exercise like a, like a bent over fly or something like that. I don't think people put enough emphasis on a, a wide, you know, I see a lot of people doing face pulls and things like this and it's not that they're bad, but if you really want to build your back and you really want to build your upper back and your, your rhomboids, your traps, uh, your rear delts, all that, uh, a wide grip, a wide grip T-bar row is, I feel like hands down going to do a lot more than like a face pull or some other, uh, variation of a rear delt exercise. Huh? 616 says, is there drug diuretic testing at top level competitions? No, there isn't unless it's a drug tested, unless it's a drug tested federation. And even then it's shaky. Uh, Junior Alcala96 says, why didn't you make bloodshot hostility stackable? Uh, why would we? So bloodshot is a pump product only with no stim. And hostility is a all-around pre-workout, a complete pre-workout. So it has your pump, strength, endurance, stims, all in one. Energy focus, all that, all in one. Uh, I don't want to stack them. I made it so that you could... If you wanted stim, you would take hostility and you still get a great pump and great focus and great energy and all that for 47 bucks. If you stack, if you want to stack two products, you're going to end up paying $80, right? You stack, if, if you took a, if you took a decent pre-workout, it's going to be $39.99, not an all-in-one, kind of like a stim pre-workout. It's going to be 40 bucks. And then if you take a pump product, it's probably going to be 40 bucks. So now you're paying $80 for you get the same thing out of 47 in hostility. So I don't know why I would make them stackable. That doesn't really make sense to me. Now, I know there are people that like a lot more stim than it's in hostility. That's a different story. So for those people, we're looking at creating a new pre-workout that's a very high stim base. So it'll have a little bit of pump, but it'll be more stim based than anything. That you'll be able to stack with bloodshot. But to me, that's only for people that like a lot of stim, which I don't think is great. I really don't know why you, if you like stimulants, why wouldn't you just take hostility? You're only paying $47. That way you don't have to stack them together. Now, the other reason I can think is some people don't want to take an all-in-one every day. Someday they want stim, someday they don't. But 
if you bought hostility and bloodshot, then you'd have those two also. So um, I'm not really sure. Like I said, I think the only place uh, we're missing is the people that want lots of stim. I feel like that's where we're kind of, we're missing those people, but it's going to be easy to create a stim pre-workout for that. So that's not a problem. Um, let's see what the second part of your question was. Will you be coming out with a stackable pump product? Uh, well, we'll come out with a stackable. We have Bloodshot, which is our pump product, and it's an amazing pump product. I'm not making another one because I don't know if I could make it better. Um, as for stacking it, like I said, we'll do a stim pre that you can stack with it to give you a full spectrum if you don't want to already take host- hostility because hostility might not have enough stimulants for you. But then again, I also don't understand really because you could add a caffeine tablet to hostility and then you're back in the game, right? So I don't really know uh, where where we, where people are missing it. Um, but yeah, I'm looking for feedback. If you guys want to give me feedback on why, on why having a stackable, like having a, a, a stim pre-workout is a good idea because we have the all-in-one and we have the pump. So the only thing we're missing then is a stim, a stim based pre-workout. So if you guys want to enlighten me on what, where we might've missed that, um, I'm all ears, man, but that's what we're looking at doing anyway, just to make those people happy. Um, also why dextrose as opposed to more, uh, branch cyclic dextrin and intra R3 dextrose is going to give you an insulin spike. Whereas the, uh, branch cyclic dextrin is moderate to low glycemic. So I want you to get the insulin spike. The main purpose for the 20 grams of carb powder in the intra R3 is to drive nutrients. It's going to increase your pump a little bit, but it's more to drive nutrients. So that's why it's not like 60 grams of carb powder. We're going to come up with a carb powder that you can add to uh, that. But um, the five grams of dextrose is supposed to spike insulin to help drive nutrients. And the 15 grams of Brain cyclic dextrin is supposed to help replenish glycogen stores a little bit while you train. That's all that's there for. So I feel like we, I, I wanted to have that mixture uh, so I could get both effects from it. B wake 77 says any tips for dealing with really bad elbow pain? It bothers me both in and out of the gym now. Thanks. Um, well, I would get some tiger bomb, get some tiger bomb and make sure you put on your elbows before every upper body session. If you have elbow sleeves, like I, I do, I'm sure you've seen pictures of me wearing them. Um, just slide the elbow sleeves, put the Tiger Bomb on and slide the elbow sleeve over before you get to the gym. That'll help warm up the joint before you actually start training, okay? And then after the gym, put lots of ice, okay? Do, do 15 minutes of icing on the elbow as soon as you get home to reduce the inflammation. And then that will start things, you know, feeling better. But you're also going to have to decrease the weights a little bit that you're using in the gym to allow the tendons to kind of calm down. They're probably really inflamed and you need to reduce the inflammation one by warming up better two by reducing inflammation with ice and three, maybe lightening the load and start doing some higher rep stuff for a little while. Tom Williams, 1205 says, can't wait for my order to arrive. Hope your wife had a wonderful birthday. I've bought your silo. Is it okay to have intra with a carb powder? Do you feel that would, suffice if you train fasted early in the mornings. I kind of answered this, Tom, earlier. If you're training fasted and your goal is to just get in shape and look good, the intra R3 is good uh, for your fasted training. I would start drinking that before, maybe even do two scoops. That way you have a little bit more carbs, a little bit more essential aminos. 
And that way you can start drinking it, put a little bit more water and you can start drinking it before you get to the gym and then throw your workout. That's what I would do. But ideally you should have a meal before, before you train, if you can. Savage AK says, what's the lowest amount of carbs you do during prep? Do you increase fats that day? Uh, the lowest amount I've done is probably 25 grams. I've gone really low for a while. Um, and yes, fats are higher that day. Bobby Guns, MuscleLink CEO says, how do you stop waking up to pee a thousand times a night when your diet and training is firing on all cylinders? The harder I go, the, the worse my sleep gets. Welcome to bodybuilding, sir. Um, when I'm dieting, I'm up every hour to piss. It's horrible. And it's just a, you know, I can't, I can't give you, sometimes, you know, sometimes there are no answers. I'm sorry, guys, but you just can't. Uh, sometimes there's things that are unavoidable. We drink a ton of water. Our body is constantly flushing the water out. And um, I'm assuming you probably drink a lot of water at night because I do. You're going to get up, you're going to be peeing, you know, three or four times a night. Gian Canera says, my left pec and bicep is uneven from my right size. What do you recommend for correcting this issue? Um, a lot of single arm stuff, a lot of unilateral exercises that will help you develop the side that's not not firing properly. If if one side's bigger and you just keep doing double arm stuff all the time, it's just going to keep taking over. So do a lot of unilateral exercises. That way each arm can get its own work done. True Alpha 44 says, I believe you said you can stack your pump product with your pre-workout. I have a here, I have, I have here that, a, I have heard that a stim pre-workout will overpower any pump supplement. Is that true with your products or your two pre-workouts? Um, too much stim will overpower your pump. So like I said, anything over 350 milligrams will start to be a vasoconstrictor, which means it will start to affect your pump and it would reduce the feeling of your pump. If you can train with no stims, you're probably going to get the best pump of all. But there isn't any studies that show that 300 milligrams of caffeine affect pump. I haven't had any issues with it. I've been using hostility now for since October, and uh, it hasn't been an issue at all. I get great, I get great pumps. It's not a problem. But like I said, if you go over the 350, we're at 300 in our in our our product. If you go over 350, you start to get an issue. Now, as far as stacking the pump in the pre, I don't think I recommend it because there's a lot of nitrates, right? So you have NO3T in the hostility at its at its effective dose, and you have NO3T in the pump, which is also a nitrate-based product or ingredient, and then you also have beetroot powder in the pump product. So now you have three different nitrates. Um, I don't think that's necessarily the healthiest thing to do, so... Like I said, both pre-workouts are very effectively dosed and I, I just don't think you need to stack them. I really don't. You're not, you're not missing anything really if you don't stack them. So I, I just don't think it's, it's an important thing to do. I don't think it's, it would be a waste of money to be honest with you. Pros and cons, Rocco Spitlife says pros and cons of a full leg day versus quad and ham split up. Depends on you. Depends on your body. If you have great legs, you can probably do just a full leg day and be done with it. If you have lagging hamstrings, then you might want to split them up and do hamstrings on their own so that you can really, really focus on them. And that's just, that's just how simple it is. I've done both in my career. When I do hamstrings by themselves, I feel like they get better. 
So it just depends on your physique and what you have and what you need to do to make your physique better. Um, let's see, where are we? Longy 30 says, do you think the virus is going around has affected your pre-order sales at all with people wanting to save money because of being told they're off work with no pay? Uh, so far we haven't noticed any drop. Everything has been exactly as expected. So, so far so good. I do think you're right though. I think, you know, as things progress and as things get worse, I don't know who hopefully they can't get any worse than they already are. But as things set in that people are, aren't going to be working, sales are probably going to drop off because let's be honest, supplements are a luxury item. And when you're not working, you don't have that luxury. So, um, yeah, but it's expected. That's, that's part of business. Um, Marsh Mac 550 says, what are your thoughts on lifting belts and sleeves? Do you feel protective gear should, could be used for entire session? This coming from an older lifter. I think sleeves, it depends what sleeves you're talking about. If you're like, I have the cloth sleeves that just keep my elbow warm. You can use those all the time. If you're talking about the neoprene sleeves that can constrict the, the joint to help you support, I would only wear those on my heaviest sets. And as far as a belt goes, some people like to wear their belt for the whole workout because it helps keep their stomach in. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And some people just wear that on, like for me, I wear my belt on my heaviest sets only. Um, so it just kind of depends on what you're, you're trying to do, right? A lot of people want to keep that small waist. So having the belt on keeps their waist in check. So it might be a good idea. But I feel like wearing a belt too much before you're developed can actually weaken stomach muscles and weaken your back muscles. So I wouldn't advise wearing it too much. You're better off wearing a waist trainer at home if you're trying to worry about your stomach. Matt Marchione, genetics aside, what do you think separates good and great bodybuilders? Um, oh, there's the hour. All right, guys, let's just keep, we'll keep going for a little bit. Genetics aside, what do you think separates good and great bodybuilders? Consistency. It's got to be consistency. The thing that separates the good from the great are the guys that are consistent. I always say, the one thing I always say, the best bodybuilders, if we're putting genetics aside, are the bodybuilders that have the least amount of bad days, okay? And I say it that way because everybody has bad days, okay? There isn't, I don't know any bodybuilder that hasn't a day where they missed a workout by accident or they had to travel or they had something or, or they forgot a meal or, and they had to like grab some, takeout food or something like it happens to everybody we all have bad days or or they just they felt like shit one day and they missed a meal you know it doesn't that happens too but the guys that i think that are the greatest are the guys with the least amount of bad days right the guys that somehow always manage to get their meals in always get their training in always are resting when they should be resting those are the guys that get to the very top because they're just putting in the work. Cause I know everybody's going to talk about steroids and everybody's going to talk about, Oh, this guy looks that good because he found the secret potion. And this guy looks that good because he has the best coach. And this guy looks that good because he has a sponsor that's giving him tons of money. And it's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. Okay. The guys who look the best, if you talk about Jay Cutler, okay. The reason Jay Cutler is the best is because Jay Cutler is notorious for his work ethic. He's notorious for getting in every single meal 
and getting in every single fucking training session and getting in, never missing a, a beat. That's why he's the best, you know? And it doesn't matter if it's business or bodybuilding or whatever. Jay is notorious for crossing all the T's and dotting all the I's. And that's why his business is successful. That's why he was a successful bodybuilder. And that's why he was a step above everybody else. Because I don't think, even though Jay had great genetics, I think there's guys with better genetics, but I don't think they're willing to do what he did. I don't think they're willing to put in the amount of time and effort and discipline that he put into it. Mind you, he had great genetics. I've seen pictures of him at 19. He looked insane for a 19-year-old. But I still think there are other guys with prettier shape or maybe bigger guys, but some bodybuilders, and I'm, I probably wasn't one of them, and regrettably, I have, my, I have my moments where I was great and where I wasn't great, but some bodybuilders know how to be great all the time. They know how to always plug in. This is what it's got to be. This has got to be done. This is how it is. Doesn't matter how you feel. Doesn't matter what happened to you. Doesn't matter if you're upset. Doesn't matter. Those are the guys I think that make it to the very top. All genetics, all aside. That's that. Though everything I just said is based on the argument that all genetics would be equal. Okay. Obviously, genetics is going to play a part in that. And when you get a guy who's genetically gifted like Jay, and is willing to put in the work like Jay, that's why you get a four-time Mister Olympia. Okay. So. Genetics play a huge part, but work ethic is second to none because everything else is equal, man. Guys have money. Guys are using the same stuff. It's all that. All that is all that is not a secret. But some guys just know how to get a little bit more out of themselves. And it's not just working harder, but it's working harder all the time, right? It's not just, well, Fuad works really hard. So does Jay. How come Fuad wasn't as good as Jay? Because maybe Jay worked harder all the time, right? Never, never missed a beat. Whereas I can admittedly say sometimes my anxiety got to me. Sometimes I might have had a, a bout of depression. And we all have different things we struggle with. And, and I think the guys who are become the cream of the crop are the guys with the genetics, but they're also the guys that know how to cross all the T's and dot all the I's every single day. That's, that's the, that's what separates them. Uh, Justin hockey says, so I've recently gone for the carbs around my workout approach. Instead of eating all day, only two carb meals a day. I've seemed to be growing into my weight, not losing, but gaining, but definitely leaner. What are your thoughts on this approach, especially for off season? I am always under the impression that the off season, I want to have carbs all the time, but if you're trying to stay leaner, then you're doing, then, you know, I think you're doing the right thing. My opinion is the off season is for growth. It's just the way I've always thought the off season is to get big. The off season is to bulk. The off season is to put on as much muscle as possible. I'll worry about being lean when it's time for the summer. Or it's time to get on stage. or It's time for all that. But if you want to stay leaner in the offseason and put on muscle, and you are, according to what you're saying, you're making gains, don't listen to anybody else. If, you're, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, okay? If your shit is going in the right direction, you're like, I feel stronger, I feel more muscular, I feel leaner. You know, if all the boxes are being checked, don't listen to anybody. It doesn't matter if they're a Mr. Olympia or if they're a pro or if they're not a pro, if they're an exercise scientist. 
in my opinion, if you have a vision in your mind and you're actually getting there and you can see the progress, just do what you're doing. Okay. But if you think there's a better way and you haven't tried it yet, then you also have to have a really open mind. So, you know, there's two sides of it. Adir says, what are some good exercises to do at home? I already went through the home stuff. Um, I think I'm going to wrap it up guys. That's, it's been over an hour now. Uh, let me just check these. Dustin Jacobs says, did you ever vision owning your own brand and being the support and being, I think he said it means being able to support and influence on that. Oh, sorry guys. I'm like, I'm even getting tired. Okay. Did you ever own envision owning your own brand and being the sub support and influence on thousands? Um, no, that's not why I started this at all. Um, like I said, when I started bodybuilding, it was just for fun. It was cause I loved doing it and I wanted to do it for the rest of my life. And I thought maybe I could make a living at it so I can do what I love to do. And that's kind of where this was born. And then the supplement thing came from, I'm going to be really honest with you guys, man. The supplement thing came from seeing people that weren't bodybuilders. Man, I, I remember I had one owner. I was, I'm not going to name names, but I had a sponsor. I had a sponsor from two different companies. I've been with four total, okay? Maybe you guys can guess, maybe you can't. But there was two different companies, owners of them, that hated bodybuilding. They hated it. They, they thought it was stupid. They thought bodybuilders were stupid. They thought the stuff we did was stupid. They didn't get it, but they milked it for every dollar they could with the supplements. And seeing that drove me absolutely insane because I'm unapologetically a bodybuilder. And I, I respect every one of my peers. And I think they're all very intelligent and they're all doing great things. And I think it takes a lot of heart to be a bodybuilder and it takes a lot more intelligence than people think because there's a whole business side to it that I don't know if a lot of people on the outside looking in realize is there. And uh, it just really irked me that these people are able to make their living off of people that they ridiculed. And I just... I, I don't know, maybe it got to me. And I said, you know what? I want to do my own thing. I want to do it. I want to do it because I'm a bodybuilder and I like bodybuilders and I like people that love bodybuilding. And, and I feel like I want to represent them and I want to give them the products they deserve. And I want to, I want to be part of the industry in a positive way instead of being that person that's just a numbers guy that's out there kind of feeding off of people and not really appreciating them at all. So that was... <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry if I got dark, but that's where that came from. It just really, really irked me. And that's where that, uh, that's kind of where that passion for the supplement business came from. Now, as far as influencing thousands, I don't know who I'm influencing and I don't know who I'm teaching my, my honest to God. I don't feel like I'm a guru. I don't feel like I'm a scientist. All I try and do is say, look, this is what I did. This is what worked for me. This is kind of the way that I charted my path and it worked. So I'm going to pass it on. And if it helps 
other people. I mean, people send me messages all the time about how uh, my stuff is helping them. Then that makes me happy. So I keep doing it. The day no one's messaging me anymore or they say your stuff hurt me instead of help me, then I'll stop. But for now, as long as people are messaging me telling me that um, the videos I'm putting out are helping them and uh, they're, they're benefiting from them, then I'm, I'm extremely happy about that and happy to keep giving back to them. So, all right, guys. So we've been on for uh, a little over an hour. I really, really appreciate you guys listening. I appreciate you guys watching. Uh, I will keep doing the Q&As as long as you guys keep watching them. And um, check out hostile.com. Check out all those new supplements. We're going to be coming out with new things and new accessories as we go. And uh, your support means everything to us. So subscribe, uh, share, like the channel. And um, until next time, train your asses off. I know the Corona thing is a bitch, but you can manage. Don't use an excuse to sit on your ass. Like I said, go to Amazon, get some resistance bands, and uh, you can do the work at home and you can do the cardio outside. And you don't have to uh, let your body go to shit just because uh, the gym closed. There's a way around it. So um, until next time, thanks for watching, guys. And we'll see you soon.